Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, the CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sancho Herrera, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we're still celebrating the CBA and we're going to keep doing so. NWSL ratifies the first CBA in women's soccer history ahead of the 2022 preseason. And we are joined today by even more guests. We are joined today by former players in the NWSL, Yael Averbush West, 11 years as a pro soccer player, former executive director of the NWSLPA, now GM of New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome back. How are you doing? Thanks. Yeah, good. I'm excited to talk. I'm glad we're celebrating. So it's yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we're celebrating, too. We're also joined today by another friend of the pod, Lori Lindsay, coming on back to join us on Attacking Third. 18 years as a pro soccer player with the United States Women's National Team, WSA, WPS, and NWSL and is now doing broadcast <laughs> analyst. <laughs> We're laughing about it. Uh, Lori, how you doing? Welcome. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, great. I mean, I'm, I, it sounds, I'm old is what it sounds like. Not trying to do that to you. Uh, man. Yeah. Congratulations to everybody and, and everything. This is, um, it's historic. Uh, and then that's why we want to keep celebrating it on attacking third, uh, Congratulations are obviously in order to to so many. Um, and this is obviously such a success story, right? Um, considering what we're looking at over the last year or so uh, with the CBA negotiations, with everything that has occurred, uh, that the players have had to go through during their their regular season. And now it's it's a it's here. It's it's the first CBA in women's soccer history. So yeah, I'll just keep it simple for, for you. How excited are you about it? Yeah, I think um, I haven't fully had time to let it really sink in, but I think even just um, listening to Lori's bio, something that strikes me that I think is so cool is I don't think we celebrate enough um, the amazing milestones in, in this league. And it's tough because we all see both sides of it. Like there are so many areas where we still want it to get better and, um, you know, we look at, you know, it was a tough year, obviously, but then we look, we're going into the 10th season. This is literally going to go down in the history books of women's soccer, the CBA. Um, and we could talk a little bit about like why it's such a big deal, but just reflecting on that. And, um, you know, it's a five year CBA, meaning there's a plan for the next five years of the league, which is another 50% of the time that it's even been alive. So listening to, you know, the fact that in Lori's bio, we have to mention two other leagues is kind of sad, but it also speaks to how cool it is 
that we're able to have this conversation now. So I think we don't focus enough on that. Like 10 years based on what's happened in women's soccer here in the past is phenomenal. And where we are in year 10, I think is really exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. Um, and I, I'm excited for this conversation too. Yeah, I know you mentioned all of Lori's accolades and there are so many and the three leagues, right? Like that's, it's something to be celebrated and to be honored. And Lori, when this news broke about the CBA, uh, you put it out there on social media. So I didn't blow your cover that you played in the WSA, the WPS and the NWSL. So now that there is a CBA in 10 years in the NWSL, how, what is the most important part of this CBA seeing as you, Lori, have played over three different leagues and now that there is a contract and an agreement? Yeah, well, I, I really like what Yale just said in terms of like, we don't celebrate enough. And um, I think that is really important to keep in mind because, you know, I remember a conversation that Yale and I were having several months ago now, um, obviously when there's a lot of turmoil in 2021, but also not to forget that there were so many good things that were happening in the league as well, despite what was being really mentioned or in the forefront of the, the, the news. Um, so I think that is a, that is a key part just in general um, in terms of like, everything that has happened over whether it's just the NWSL or over all three leagues, the last two decades in, in women's soccer. Um, it really is important. The, the milestones that we've hit and the, the, you know, the trajectory that all of these leagues or especially the NWSL has taken. And to answer your question more specifically though, with um, I think Yael also said it best in one of her um, tweets the other night about the CBA, which is that, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is this is it isn't about like the players versus the league. It really is about mm -hmm. both parties coming together and saying, you know, how can we move this league forward in the best way possible that suits everyone involved? And I think that is really important to keep in mind because that collaboration is going to be needed as this league continues to grow and build and continue to want to be the best in the league. Really, you know, just sort of watching it all unfold the night that it. No, 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 you're good. It's just, just watching it all unfold the way that it unfolded, right? The the night before preseason. Um, I just sort of like, I, I'm kind of like getting chills like hearing you speak about what you're speaking about right now, Lori, and just sort of thinking back to that. As some of this was coming out, right? A lot of us were reacting to it in, in, in real time, right? Kind of collectively and online and stuff. Is, was there a certain point or a specific you know, benefit or, you know, within this current CBA that like really stands out to you the most. We've been, we've been chatting a little bit with players already about this. And, and obviously something, a big one is, is free agency, but even speaking to, to somebody like a, like a Mayor Matthias, uh, she even talked about something, just having something in a contract that talks about standard size fields, you know, was, was, <laughs> so was it, was there, is there anything in particular as a former player, just sort of looking at all these things that really sort of stood out to you the most? I, I would say outside of the free agency, um, the minimum um, salary stood out um, quite a bit because I joke, but also it is kind of disheartening in some ways, but this is probably the only profession where I continued to, um, you know, as my career went on outside of the national team, I made less money um, from my very first professional year as a rookie than I did my last. I'm so sorry. People just want to keep calling me right now. Um, hey, we got you. We got you right now. 
And um, so as, as much as like I can laugh at that now, it's also, it, it was a reality. And in terms of making a professional league in the United States um, viable. So, and so to see the minimum of 35K for these players and, and then be able to have housing supported on top of that, I think, you know, is, is massive. And we're going to see players stick around longer, I believe, because of that, because they're going to be able to um, make ends meet in a lot of a lot of different ways and no more side hustles, hopefully. Yeah, for you, anything particular stand out uh, the most in these negotiations? Yeah, well, I do think it's important to give context, like what Lori just mentioned. And I share this openly now. I did not during my career because it was it's not something I cared for people to know. But like the most I ever made in a year as a player in the league was $21,000. So to see um, the minimum salary where it is now in a fairly short amount of time, I, I didn't retire that or actually didn't even officially retire, but I didn't stop playing that long ago. Um I think that's pretty cool to see. But really what struck me is I'm interested to know what, what the players feel about, you know, the contract and what they feel is the, the biggest uh, win for them. But in in working on this, um, on the, the league's CBA committee, I learned so much about what this is. This is a 150-page document. It might actually be more than that. And so the bullet point highlights are really cool. And those are the things that are kind of like the big ticket issues that, that really there was a lot of back and forth. But what I think is amazing is the fact that there is everything about the relationship between the players and the league and how things will operate laid out to such detail that like, that just shows how, how big this document is. It's not just like, Hey, here's how much money the players will make. And here's the, the stipulations for the field. It goes into, um, like specifics on medical staffing and mental health and things that before were not really conversations, but that's why this process took a year because there, you know, both sides dug into literally every aspect of how the league is operated and what the player experience is like to come to an understanding on what it should be like moving forward over this next, you know, term of the contract. So I think that's something that I would never have understood. And I didn't even know what a CBA really was before, before I started delving in, but it's not just the bullet points. It's like a lot, a lot more than that. So I think it's pretty interesting. That's not the part that people really care about on social media, but it is interesting. And really, I think a great assurance for the players that all of this is laid out so specifically. Yeah, it is so interesting. We spoke with uh, executive director of the PA, Megan Burke, a few weeks ago. And I asked her, I was like, what is a CBA? Can you like put this in layman's terms? Like, I'm not a lawyer, just lay it out for me. So, Yale, for you, you former player, right? Then you helped launch the Players Association. You acted as executive director for a while. Um, what is your involvement now? Can you fill in our listeners about how you were involved over the last year and in these specific CBA negotiations? Yeah, so right around the time that um, Megan Burke came on as the um, executive director of the Players Association, I kind of, I was an advisor to the organization at that point. I was like, good, let's let, Megan is an expert, let's let her take over. Um, you know, there were talks about 
beginning to start the process of the CBA. And uh, quite honestly, I joke about this. I was like, yeah, you know what? I want nothing to do with that part, like the legal contract part. Like I'll just (laughs) be on the periphery now. So um, in the interim, you know, during the year of the negotiation, I then took the role as general manager of Gotham FC, which meant I had to step down as an advisor for the Players Association because I couldn't work for management of a club and have that role. Um, So in doing that, I ended up on the quote unquote other side, although to Lori's point earlier, there really are are no sides in this, but um, when it comes to negotiation, you can't really just, (laughs) you can't linger in the middle there. Um, So I then um, was part of the CBA negotiation committee for the league actually. So I started off kind of on the, the players association side of this and then ended up um, working with um, others in the league, Brad Estes and John Walker um, from the league to actually negotiate on behalf of the league for to finish off the CBA. So very interesting um, for me personally, kind of seeing both sides and hearing conversations from both sides during the process um, and then seeing it being done. I think we're all extremely happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's big celebrations, of course, right? Like this is huge. And uh, for you, I just am so fascinated by this and the evolution of the PA and the league. And of course, the CBA, I mean, we've said it like 10 times already. It's 10 years in the making just for this league. But when you started with the PA and, and kind of grew your role throughout and weaved your way through now to be in these negotiations, when you look back at the first meetings of the PA, is this how you saw this ending? Oh, no. I was literally trying to create a group me group so we could communicate <laughs> among the teams. I always say this. I literally am not joking. My idea was it wasn't a union. I had no idea what a CBA was. I don't even think I ever heard of that, I'm gonna be honest, which is really sad. But I had the vision to create a group me group with a couple representatives from each team. And so that I could, as the leader of this, kind of form a good relationship with the league at the time it was Jeff Plush who was the commissioner so that just takes you back to like what year this was and then if there was an issue going on with the players or news from the league we could have good communication that was where my vision ended at first that was it that was what it was supposed to be and then I started to learn a lot more about how this actually works and what's necessary not just for the players to you know have a voice and, and protect their own interests, but actually to help grow the league. That was a, a huge thing um, that I learned about the, the role of a players association is to be that voice and to help push the league in, in the right direction as the league develops too. So um, fast forward to now, I look back and I'm like, what in the world did I, I had no idea that this is how it works. And this is what, you know, part of um, kind of something I and other other active players started. So, you know, it wasn't just me. It was a lot. A lot of us at the time got this going, but no vision that this is where it was going. <laughs> I have, I have like a little follow up on that, too. Just looking at the humble beginnings of, of this Players Association, right? And then sort of watching the growth over the years. I mean, I mean, being here in Chicago, I've been able to to cover the Red Stars a little locally a little bit here. My time in, in the media space. And I remember like, you know, Brooke Elby having a much bigger role as well as, as the, as the PA continued to, to evolve. So for, for you, what is, what has it been like sort of witnessing all this, like as someone who eventually went to sort of the league side of things, like in an administrative role as a general manager to sort of watch this players association evolve into a, a full on 
union status type of organization. From group chat to union. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> as, as we started, I actually um, I had a number of conversations with um, the MLSPA to understand, okay, like, what did we start here? Where does this go? How does this work? And um, they were hugely helpful. But what ended up happening was then I had this kind of vision and understanding of, okay, here are the steps we need to take and that this would eventually happen. That's when I kind of conceptualized, okay, you have to get your status as a union. Here's how you work with the league. Eventually there needs to be a CBA, all of this stuff. What was really tough in the beginning of that was to try to explain to the players and to get buy-in from the players to understand like the, the value of this, because at the time there was no organization. It was I was an active player and I was saying, hey, this is what we need to do, guys. And it wasn't just me, too. There was like great leadership. Brooke Elby um, did amazing work as the president of the organization. She took it to a next level. Um, you know, Tori Huster, Emily Menges, Nicole Barnhart involved right from the beginning. And then Rachel Corsi came onto the scene and we had different officers, you know, in our in our uh, history as a players association. But the real thing was to try to understand to have the players understand before there was a CBA process and they could see like, oh, this organization can work to provide this benefit to try to have them understand what the point of this was. And none of us have been part of other industries or fields where, where we're part of a union. So to, to try to explain to people, here's, here's what it means. You know, you, you pay dues to a union and here's the vision. It, that was a huge challenge. And Brooke and I would always joke, we would do these preseason meetings to try to explain the purpose of this to the players. And sometimes we get questions we couldn't even answer. We, we didn't know, you know how to explain it properly. So for me, I think something hugely rewarding about watching this is to see that the players truly get it and how many players have stepped up at, in leadership roles in this to voice opinions, to be on the bargaining calls. You know, I was on the other side and I was seeing all these players' names on Zoom that they were active participants in this process. And for me, it was really cool to see like, now we all kind of get it um, and get and now seeing, you know, players on, just on social media celebrating um, the, the CBA being ratified was really, really cool um, to see how much that it, it means to everybody. And I'll just say, too, it's fun for me to hear this because and how involved the players are, because I was involved in the WPS when we were becoming unionized. And, and Megan Burke was also um, somewhat involved with that as well. But we just never had a league long enough for players to be involved. Right. It was more of like, OK, like, is this going to last? What are we going to do? It felt like you're scrambling all the time. And to be able to have that time to get players involved, because there are players. I mean, as you just mentioned, a number of, of people that have the, had their hands involved in this you know, is, is so important. And I think that's what makes it from an outsider in terms of not playing in the league anymore so special because you're like, yes, these are, this is a group of players that are like, this is what we have seen. This is what we've gone through. This is what we want from the league. How can we get there? And just having more voices and just feeling empowered to be able to speak out and really take an active role is what Sandra, when you and I were kind of joking, but not really about crying the other day, when the other night I was like, that's what I'm crying about is yeah. that these players can feel like they had such an active role in what the future of this league looks like, which has not been the case for, I would say the majority of players have played in previous leagues. No, I'm right there with you. I think it's also just, which is why I asked Yael just sort of maybe speak up a little bit about watching the evolution of this Players Association, because I think 
you know, in the days pre-pandemic when when access was a, a little different in terms of media and stuff in the relationship with the clubs. Um, my God, like I, I I remember like literally getting a moment to like watch Brooke Elby in action. Like there was a, a really tough decision that had to be made. There was like a snow day that was like impacting uh, match day. The field of play was was not great. You know, I remember watching the players um, going out there to do warm up, try, still trying to do their jobs, like go out there and and test out the pitch and give it a shot and watching this, you know, president of, of the Players Association and Brooke Elby just saying, uh-uh, this is not good for us. Like someone's going to get hurt. And just sort of watching her get in action, sort of collect the players. We're, we're talking both sides of the pitch here. We're talking about the opposition. You know, I believe it was the rain at the time and, and Chicago coming together, talking it out, trying to get on phone calls with the right people at the time. I believe it might've been Amanda <laughs> Duffy at the time. Um, to sort of figure out a way to have this match happen, but in a safe capacity. And I believe there was a postponement that was placed and then, and everybody ended up just playing it the next day. And it's just these little, these little moments, right. Where we're watching these players do very important work and yeah. maybe then themselves not realize that they're laying the foundation for very important things to happen down the line, like a CBA like this uh, and, and showing how effective something like unity and solidarity actually works and what it looks like, you know, because if not everyone's on the same page and in agreement with that, that correct choice to postpone the game doesn't probably happen. So to sort of see these things and be able to, to witness them again, pre-pandemic and in that time, it was just a, uh, to sort of now and sort of seeing that news break in the night, which is why I tweeted what I tweeted. I was like, Oh, I think I'm, I'm crying a little bit. Like question mark, you know, it's like, it's just kind of like because of these experiences that we've all sort of in our own ways kind of witnessed, you know, from these players as they've kind of grow up with, grown up a little bit within this PA. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, Yale and Laura, you both touched on this, how watching these players 
find their voice almost. We we did have the pleasure of speaking with North Carolina Courage's uh, Merritt Mathias. And that's one thing that she actually touched on. She said that, um, of course, it's so empowering to have a CBA and she feels so safe now, but she gained a lot of confidence throughout these CBA negotiations and finding her voice and finding the courage to unmute herself on Zoom and speak and and really share her experiences. And do you think that having these players being able to be vulnerable in, in that space, in the negotiation room, in front of high people in the league and, and in front of lawyers and, and standing up for themselves, do you think that that's an evolution that has been slowly happening? Or is it really the state of 2021 that did change a lot for this league and for the players in it? Lori, do you want to start with that one or I can jump in? Yeah, like go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, I think both. I, part of this, I think, is that, and I, I would say this is something I've reflected on um, personally a lot, is how much as players, and this was something I did and as a leader, I feel a little guilty of, is we were so desperate as players to make sure the league survived and was healthy at all costs that a lot of it was like, let's keep these things quiet. If it, you know, if we had a bad experience personally, if something wasn't right, let's try to handle it behind the scenes. We don't want that to get on Twitter. We don't want people to think bad things about the league. Like, you know, we want it to be here at all costs. And then I think it got to a point where both, we know that the league will be here. It is successful. There's been, uh, you know, the, the owners have invested a massive amount in this as well. I think we can't speak enough about it's not just you know we're talking a lot about the players but obviously for things to run there's a ton going on um, that I'm now learning about on the league side to to continue to grow this Um, so there's that and then it's you know this year a lot of really brave women came out and said this happened to me and it wasn't okay and whatever that is it it, you know there's there's a whole spectrum of things and to know that you can say that and that you will be believed and that the league is still going to be here and we can make it better is really, really powerful. And I think we didn't know that before. We didn't know one, if players would be believed or listened to, and often they weren't, we've learned. And we didn't know if the league could survive people saying, Hey, I love this. I love this game, but this isn't good enough or this happened to me or this isn't healthy for me. So I'm glad that we've learned that we can all withstand that and we can get better from it. And, and there's huge power in that. So I hope that players now feel really comfortable speaking up um, more so than I ever did more so than, you know, I think my peers in my playing days did. Yeah. I think that's, that's perfectly said. And um, I relate to all of that. And, you know, I think the thing too, is that there's powers in there's power in numbers. Right. And as Yael just said to brave women coming forward and, and speaking out was huge. Right. For this. But now you have a collective. I mean, these conversations, Yael and I are t- were teammates and it wasn't these conversations were happening just behind the scenes. But one, how, again, how do you get that out? How do you say that? I mean, it was a pretty fear driven environment for a long time. And now, as, as Yael just alluded to, when you have somebody that's um, brave and steps up about some really important issues, I think that just elevates everybody else. Like, okay, what, how can I do my part? I need to speak up. And then when you have the collective, then you just feel more and more empowered. And, you know, I think rounding out kind of what I was saying from the beginning 
that to me is what sums up this CBA. Yes, the bullet points and stuff are amazing and all the details um, that were mentioned earlier too, but just the power in that for the players to have a collective voice and to say, okay, like we have ownership because in the past there hasn't been that. It's very much like hiding and hoping and um, just getting by, right? And it's, it's as much as you love the sport, there was times when that was very difficult a bit of fear driven throughout the entirety of this negotiations. I think that's very honest to say and very truthful. And what maybe makes the conclusion of this and that much sweeter and that much more to celebrate because it was such a long road for the players and former players to get here. Um, When we look at more of the details of this CBA specifically, I mean, free agency is one that is just being celebrated throughout fans and players and former players right now, it's starting in 2023 uh, for players that have given six years of service. Now, Lori, I'm looking at you for this as a player that didn't have the option for free agency. How does having free agency in the NWSL change the league moving forward for veterans, especially? Oh, well, I think it's, I mean, to be able to um, have a say in where you're going to go, that alone is amazing, right? So I think, um, you know, it gets us on par with um, the other leagues in the world. And, but also, again, just having a say about where this is a career, right, for these players and to be able to be able to have the free um, freedom to be able to move and, again, to have the say in that is massive, Um I like the structure of it. So if you have some longevity in the league, then that starts quicker. Um, you know, instead of just it's a free for all and that maybe wasn't going to be a big negotiation. I don't know, because that wasn't obviously in the, um, the, the, the meetings. But yeah, I mean, I think anytime that you can have the ability to have some say in your career is is huge. And I think that just opens up doors for more movement in general players. I said this in the draft too about um, players being able to, that were under national team contract and then signing with their teams where, yes, some players might go overseas, but there's going to be a lot more room for movement in the long run that I feel like will just make the league stronger. Yeah. I, um, I think looking at how they're going to roll it out, I think was not only interesting, but I think it's actually kind of smart, you know, and it makes sense that this was the terms that both sides of the table actually kind of ended up agreeing upon, you know, when starting in 2023, right. We're talking about a year out, six years of service, 2024 players, five years of service, and then a concept of some restricted free agency for players in 2024 with, with three years of service. So sort of just kind of staggering it out a little bit. Um, And this current CB CBA is going to run through 2026. And maybe you don't, you don't want to put the horse in front of the carriage here, but it's been 10 years, right. In terms of, in terms of this league, in terms of talking about, you know, salaries in the league and in terms of a competitive salary going from 22K in 2021 to now 35K in 2022, I'll just, I'll just ask it. Is it good enough? Is it, is it good enough? Laura, I'm, I'm going with you on this one, Laura. Is, is, is that, is that good enough? Right now? Uh, I mean, I'm one to say that, no, it's not good enough. Like, I mean, you know, there's an asterisk there because yes, is it better than it was? Um, I think we're making um, massive headway in, in other areas as well. And it's not, um, it's more nuanced than just saying good or bad. Um, right. However, um, I think it is important to pinpoint that there is progress. Um 
but I mean, we're always going to strive, right? Strive for, for better and to take care of the players even more. And I think this is a, a an excellent um, starting point to at least continue for negotiations. And, and, you know, there's a lot of other things in the CBA that one I'm not familiar with or, or know all the ins and outs, but there's also a, a collective amount of other things that help bridge that gap in terms of just being the pay or the minimum pay at 35 K. Yeah. And, and increasing year over year. I mean, there are so many nuances in this negotiation and in the CBA and that's why lawyers look at it. And that's why we have smart people like Yale on the committee reading this 150 page document. So then when we get to the end of it, we do have a bit of celebration and this, this dropped the night before preseason started. So we're into it. 2022 season of NWSL is here. We are in the thick of it. Uh, Yale for you, it's the first week of preseason. You're in the front office at Gotham. Um, the fans are hype. The media were hype. Uh, you guys is, are hype as former players, but at Gotham this week, preseason, how are the vibes? How are the players feeling? What's, what is the energy like? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of excitement. I think there's always a lot of excitement surrounding preseason, but this one is really special, um, because of, you know, the CBA and the timing of it. I do want to point out one more thing, not to skirt your question. Cause I do think people here are, are really excited. Unfortunately, <laughs> we have to be indoors, uh, due to the weather situation, but there's a lot of excitement and good energy. Um, but I, I do, I want to point something out that I think is, is really, this was a lot of the conversation on the league's part too, is that when we look at player compensation, it's not just the base salary, like the teams provide housing, um, they're, there's like benefits of 401k now as part of the package. So we're, we're looking at, is the number 35k good enough? No, no. Everybody would hope that, you know, that goes up over time, but I believe that, you know, the, the, and a huge talk here when it comes to this total compensation was also like growing the pie for everybody. So we've always said this as players is we want the league to succeed so we can as players, I'm saying we still as players, but so the players can share in the success of the league. So now seeing that it's like, how do we have everybody succeed more? And, and that's what the work is over the next five years. So the next time this is the conversation, there's a bigger pie to, to split up and for the players to have a slice of. So I think that it is very, very positive. Although you could argue like, is that number good enough? You know, I think these are, these are the top 1% in their field athletes. So it will never, it will never be good enough. You could pay millions and millions and still not good enough to, I think, but, but um, the, the overall compensation package is really, really um, much improved and a huge investment from the league over, over these five years too. Yeah. This is a great point. And, you know, and also the mental health aspect, like to be able to take, yeah. And, and that's what I was mentioning too. There's a lot more that it's involved than just the, the base, the base salary, but you make some really good points. I think coming off of what the season that we've come off of and like sort of looking at those type of points, right. That maybe aren't like the, the free agency, right. Which is the big one, raise a minimum salary, which is a big one. We start looking at those things like um, the, the six months, right. Uh, mental health leave, the, the uh, added benefit of, you know, parental leave that will cover a pregnancy, right. Or adoption, right. Looking at all of these things within the CBA that are very clearly within them because they're directly from player experience, right. There are parents in this league who have gone through pregnancy and there are parents in this league who have gone through adoption processes, right. There are players in this league who have gone on record talking about the importance of, of, of mental 
health, right? And like the seeing these things in the CBA are so directly reflective of their personal experiences. And and obviously seeing those things come to light, um, we're all thrilled about it. It's incredibly, there's a, there's a certain level of, of joy, I think that maybe can't necessarily be explained for people who might not understand unless you're really in it, or if you're a former for player taking a look at all of these things. And one of the things I think that sort of was kind of got me going, I think in terms of the, the emotion wagon right on, on that night was the fact that this, these statements are rolling out from, from the, from the PA side and detailing some of these bullet points. And then they ended by, you know, thanking uh, former players. They ended it specifically saying, you know, we stand on your shoulders. Uh, this is for you. And we hope we made you proud. So I think maybe to close things out for the both of you. Yeah. For both wearing your former player hats. How proud are you of these players? Uh, I'll go first. Well, first of all, I'll step back to Elisa's question to Yael about um, Gotham and how excited people are. I mean, listen, I was a spirit player, but I'm excited about Gotham. I would come out of retirement to play on that team right now. I mean, I, if they're not excited, well, I'm excited for you. Um, no, it's, I, I think that's the, the history of of women's soccer really. And, and a lot of women's sport is, um, celebrating the people that have come before, because it has been a long road. It's been a challenging road, um, to stay the course to continue to fight. And I know, um, you know, for a long time, you know, I had, I think I have had a unique, um, privilege of seeing all different sides. Like I played on the national team. So I got to see what that was like. I understood what it was like to be a rookie without playing on the national team in the WSA. And then the last year of my career in the NWSL, again, not playing on the national team and just closing it out. And so seeing all these different, um, these different glimpses, I guess, into women's sport and the longevity of women's soccer, um, but I think that has been the history is continuing to build off of um, the, the generation before you and leaving the sport in a better place. And, you know, the, you know, Julie Foudy's and Brandy and Mia and Brianna Scurry, those, those players that came before us and, and really fought to kind of steamroll and, and build the momentum to where we are. And especially on the national team, side of things to, to now with like Yael and Brooke Elby, as we mentioned, Megan Burke, who's led the way in terms of um, representing the players on the legal side and Tori Huster. I mean, these players have been around for so long and to be able to continue to learn and, and use their, their knowledge um, and, and, you know, just their, their understanding of what it's been like is, is huge. And I, I couldn't be more thrilled. Like I love this league. I love the players in the league and I'm excited because I, I think that we are going to start to see um, an even different level from these players because hopefully, you know, it, it, it's always continuous, but I think you'll see a bit more ease for a lot of players because this CBA is, is, is helpful and in so many different ways. And that's important to be able to perform at your, your top. Um, emotionally, physically, and mentally. So, um, I could go, I could get, start crying now. So I, I thank you, Elle and all these people. And I'm thankful for all the people that came before me. How about you? Was there, was there anything in particular? I can't top that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I, I think like, it's interesting, um, to feel that how much all of us are just one piece along this journey to Lori's point, you know, there were 
players who came before us, um, who I looked up to and who charted the way and um, played in leagues that no longer exist and were early NWSL players. And then to be able for me now, I think a huge thing, you know, I kind of jokingly share my salary because I think it's a really important point that in my 10th year as a pro, that's what I made. But then to be able to, as now a GM, sign players to salaries that are significantly better than that um, is a really cool feeling. Part of me always has the natural human instinct to be like, oh man, I could have made that. <laughs> but but the other part of me is like, this is so cool. I'm doing like, I'm dividing, do, get out my calculator, like how many more times are they making than me? But that is such a cool feeling to be part of seeing that transition. And the reality is the women's game is still young enough that that we're all in this community, that the literally the people who started off like the first ever women's national team and were part of, um, you know, the other leagues, like I mentioned, to now is we're, we all know each other and we're all still watching this happen. So it's at a really cool place where we can say that, um, where the history is still young enough um, and we're, we're, we're watching it happen right before our eyes. Absolutely. I um I want to thank you both uh, for joining us. I think that's a great uh, note to to end on, right? Um, just the the amount of joy that there is, but still the amount of hope that everyone still has looking into this next era uh, for women's soccer in the United States. A lot of work has been done, but that doesn't mean that the work is done completely. So I'm excited to continue to watch and cover. The evolution of these players, uh, their union, and uh, all of the great things that they continue to do on and off of the pitch. Uh, we always like to thank our listeners at the end of the show, too. So thank you, everybody, for listening and joining us. Yael and Lori, thank you once again for being with us today. Everyone, you can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast shows. You can leave us a five-star review on Spotify. And if you have any questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review with a question on Apple Podcasts and Lisa and I will answer it as part of our mailbag segment. We're also available as video. Please subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash attacking third. And we'll be back tomorrow with more news and more celebrations of the CBA and updates from around the world of women's soccer. For Sandra Rita, Lisa Roman, Lori Lindsay, and Yaliva Bush West, this was Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.